What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. Cowboy's about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, John, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Y'all have heard me speak a lot about Ralph Hager. He was the guy that taught me everything I know about horses, which he probably forgot more in one minute than, than I actually learned. But I used to go out there and, and break horses for uh, every afternoon. And um, one day I was out there and I was on this little filly. And I mean, she was coming along real nice and everything. And Ralph called me over there. He said, hey, I just got a call. I said, oh, yeah. And he said, some friends of mine have some friends that came in from like around, like, I think it's like New York or something. I mean, we're talking about city people, city people. I don't think they, uh, if I remember right, they'd never even pet even touched a horse, and they heard that there was a cowboy breaking horses out at this place, and they wanted to come see a real cowboy. So Ralph said, don't disappoint me, son. I said, I'm a cowboy, you know, kind of like that smoking armadillo song, I'm a cowboy. So I was out there, and they pulled up, and boy, my old chest just kind of puffed up a little like this, and I was loping that filly around, and she was doing good, and I'd kind of bounce her to a stop because that's what I do, not really. You know, it wasn't one of those uh, Doug Hewlett sliding stops, throw 11s down for 15 miles or anything. It was doop, 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 doop. And then my feet go back, and I'm, oh, I got, I got to be a cowboy. And so I get out there and everything, and I, and I mean, they, they're standing at the gate like this. I'm like, yeah, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. So I'm riding along out there, and like I said, boy, my old chest was puffed up like this. My old hat, I started to get a headache because my hat was too tight. And I was riding along there, and Anyway, I kind of spun her in some circles and kind of walked over there and did the, yeah. <laughs> and so I went to ride, and then I went over there, and I talked to them for a minute, and they were asking me all kinds of questions, and I was feeling real cool, and I, I was showing off that horse and everything. And so I got over there, and I, it was about done. She, she, I'd worked her up into a pretty good sweat, which I'd rode her for about three minutes in the West Texas heat. It's 180 degrees. It doesn't take long. And so anyway, I decided it was time to get off, and so I kind of, Cooled her off. We walked some around there and, you know, I just loved on her and everything. And then I parked from about here to Hank and I went to get off. And in my puffed up edness and my hat must have cut off the brain circulation, I went to step off and my stirrup came with my foot. And then it let go about right here. <laughs> and you know how you can see stuff transpiring? And in slow motion, I watched that stirrup fender. No. For a man, it is a very precarious position when you're like this. <laughs> I was at this magical junction whenever that stirrup hit. She came up and broke me in half. I squealed like a girl. <laughs> and I tried to get off, but she bucked back underneath me. Just for good measure, she hit me about three times in the nether region with a saddle horn about this big around, <laughs> covered in rubber. And then she very, very graciously dumped me right on my noggin. And I got up, and of course, I, you know, I was sweating. I, wore, I wear a black hat all year round. And I got up, and I had just this dirt all over my face. And they're like this. And I looked at them, I said, that's how we get off in Texas. 
Last week, we, I told you a story about I got an email from a guy, and he kind of very Christianly, don't you like it when people do things very Christianly? He very Christianly told me that I was not behaving like a preacher should behave, and he asked me the question, and it's been years ago, it's not as prominent now as it used to be, but the, is that what Jesus would do? And so that question, I, I seriously, I pondered it. I sat around and I was like, you know, what would Jesus do? And I think it's vastly different than what a lot of people think Jesus would actually do. Last week we talked about how He would do the unexpected. Everybody expected, don't you, don't you wonder if anybody ever walked up to Him and, and said, do you think that's what the Messiah would do? I bet He'd grin and go, yeah, I think so. But Jesus would do the unexpected. He called the unexpected. When He called the disciples, they were not these preachers. They were fishermen and tax collectors, and it just blew everybody's mind. He did the unexpected. When you thought He was going to do one thing, He did the complete opposite. And He also said the unexpected. You never knew what was going to come out of that man's mouth, and that's why I think I love Him so much. When we ask the question, what would Jesus do? Last week we talked about how He would do things unexpectedly. This week, we're going to look at how Jesus liked to show off. Now, I've got a disclaimer because a lot of people, I'm not saying that, that Jesus was all puffed up and everything like that, but in John chapter 13, verse 31 and, 30, uh, 31 and 32, Jesus says this, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory, and God will be glorified because of Him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, He will soon give glory to the Son. Jesus liked to show off the glory of God. He walked around and He said it. Everything I do, I do for the will of the Father. I do these things not so that y'all can think I'm, you know, just this and this and this. He was the Messiah. And He said, I'm showing you that I am who I say I am, but even in all of that, I'm the one that the whole Old Testament was pointing towards, but even then, I don't do this because I want to. I do it so that I can bring glory to God. What would Jesus do? Everything He could to bring glory to God. I love in the, in the New Testament, um, and, and I think that this is fascinating, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are the Gospels. They're all kind of the same story from four different viewpoints, and, um, and sometimes there'll be uh, the same story in, in uh, two of them, and sometimes the story's just in one of the four Gospels, but there's only one incident in the, Old, or in the New Testament that it is in all four. And that's when Jesus feeds 5,000 people. It's in all four. It's the only miracle that is listed in all four. Jesus fed 5,000 with a few biscuits and a couple of fish. Why would he do this? Why would Jesus decide to, to show off by feeding 5,000? Now, you have to understand in biblical times, 5,000, they just counted the men. They didn't count the, the women and the children. So, you know, if, if it was anything like today, you know, maybe there was, everybody had a wife there and two kids, you're looking at 15,000 people that he fed. He could have just taken the hunger away. Have you ever thought about that? He tells in the story when he, he says, don't send all these people home. We need to feed them. And they're like, oh, seen how many folks that is? Man, we need a couple of more hot dog stands or something. Call Abuelas. She's going to have to come out with some burritos. Couldn't, couldn't he have just said... Dear God, take all their hunger away and rejuvenate them. And then nobody would have been hungry. Wouldn't that have been easier? Why did Jesus show off and take the biscuits, the loaves of bread, and the fish, and bless them, and then have his disciples hand them out? 
Why? Because he was showing that God is a God of abundance. A young boy had the biscuits and fish, and this story's in John chapter 6. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this large crowd? Indeed, what good is it? How many times have we worried about what meager things we had. This little boy, I'm sure that somebody turned around and goes, does anybody have anything to eat? And a little boy walks up and he says, I have this and you can have it. He was willing to give everything that he had because somebody else was in need of it. How many times have we worried about what meager things we have to offer God? Like five biscuits and a couple of brook trout. How many times do we think that our meager giving isn't good enough for God? God wants to turn what we have into more than we'll ever need because if you continue on with that story, you'll know that he, he made the disciples go out there and wait tables. They were walking around here, take some, take some, but the baskets never emptied. And then when everybody was done, they got to go gather up the leftovers. Wow, there was leftovers after feeding. You know, who knows? We know that there was 5,000 men. Who knows how many kiddos and cowgirls were there that day? Don't ever think that what you have isn't enough for God. It's just the right amount if you're willing to give it all to Him. Today, we're talking about what would Jesus do? He would show off. What I'm asking you to do today is to let God, or let Jesus, show off God's abundance for you. It's time that we quit thinking of what we have is insignificant. God wants to take what you have and feed thousands and thousands of people, and He can do it through you. In Mark chapter 4, the second thing we're going to talk about is how Jesus showed off in a boat. In Mark chapter 5, verse 35 through 41, he says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall. I've had a few of those out there on County Road 150. It was pretty scary when we were in a house, much less a boat. There was a, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that they were nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we even drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Settle down. I think he actually said, Quiet, be still, but I, I can picture Jesus walking to the edge of the boat and saying, Y'all settle down. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are y'all so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. My children are fixing to shrink in terror. We were in Lincoln County, New Mexico, where Billy the Kid, the famous jailbreak, where he shoots the, the guy down the stairs and he bends out the window and shoots another deputy and then he makes his, his getaway from Lincoln County, New Mexico. And we had toured, the, we had toured Lincoln County which means we walked from here to the bathrooms and back in a real small place. And um, anyway, we're walking back to the car, and Riley and Griffin are walking ahead of me. Now, granted, this is a long time ago. They were just little bitty kids. And they were walking along ahead of us. And all of a sudden, me and my wife, we're strolling, we're talking, 
And all of a sudden we hear these blood-curdling screams and they turn around and they start running and they're yelling, Wild animal! Wild animal! We're in Lincoln County, New Mexico. I'm thinking, there's a bear. There's a mountain lion. And I mean, my daddy senses, you know, pull out my case pocket knife and we're going to cut some bear or something like that. So I start looking around and, and Christy's like the mother hen. She's gathering them in. And I was like, where, where? She's like, right there! And running across the field was a tree squirrel. Now, y'all laugh, but we're from Texas. There are no trees, hence no tree squirrels. Okay? I would like you to see an alien land and a little animal like this jump out and run across a deal and see if you don't freak out a little bit. And I was like, guys, it's a squirrel. What's a squirrel? Well, it's that thing right there. What do they eat? Nuts. Oh, okay. Griffin, you're in trouble. They were terrified. I mean, I felt sorry for them. I mean, you could visibly see it. The blood drained and the hearts were beating fast. And you know what? We laugh at a couple of young kids being afraid of a squirrel. But what's even funnier than that is how adults run around and scream and are terrified of the problems that we have. When Jesus said, do you have no faith? I said I would take care of that. I said I would be right there with you. If I'm asleep, does it look like I'm worried? You know, you can read that Bible and nowhere did Jesus go, ah! Ah! I mean, seriously. But that's what we do. We're in our own boats. With the, the problems of our lives are just bouncing us back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and we're just running around, wild animal! Why? Why would we do that? See, Jesus was showing off God's peace. And He's offered it to each and every one of us. He said, do not be afraid. If he had one thing that he harped on over and over and over and over, he said, don't be scared, folks. I'm with you. I got you. What would Jesus do? Maybe that's not the question. What did he not do? Jesus never freaked out. Not one time did he ever freak out. Imagine Jesus asleep against a bale of hay while we freak out because it hasn't rained. He would get up and he'd say, it will rain when it's time. Imagine Jesus napping on the couch while we freak out because someone isn't doing things the way that we expect them to do things. They're not doing it right. They're not doing it right. And Jesus says, don't worry about them. Just worry about you. <laughs> but Jesus! Shh, shh. I'm trying to sleep here. Imagine Jesus softly snoring while you freak out because you're running late. I did that this morning. We were supposed to be here at 9 to start the coffee and we got here at like 9.20 and the pastor was, oh, you're running late. Cowboys aren't going to have their coffee. My wife is like, I don't make their own dead gun coffee. <laughs> She's not called the worst preacher's wife for nothing. Hey, I didn't say that. She did. You can actually go check out her website. It's really good. You think I'm joking. Not really. She didn't say that about the coffee. I was joking. But it was my little plug for you, honey. Get some more people on your website. Imagine Jesus dozing contentedly in the boat while your problems seem to be sinking you. What would Jesus do? He would calm the storms in your life, and if you'll let him, he'll take your fears away. Let Jesus show off God's peace in your own lives. Because I know a lot of you need some peace. You need to quit freaking out. And the third thing we're going to talk about is found in John chapter 21. Most people don't realize this. And even if you did realize it, when you read the, the four Gospels and everything, most people assume that when they read the, uh, the Gospels and everything, that Jesus just walked out there, seen some fishermen, and said, Come, I'll make you fishers of men. And they're like, Cool, let's go. We're not doing anything else. And they went and followed him, but that's not true. They had been watching Jesus for a long time. 
They had, uh, they had heard. They knew the Old Testament spoke of a Messiah and everything. And what a lot of people don't realize is that Jesus had to call his disciples, not one time, come and follow me, not two times, but he had to call them three times. The first time is in Mark chapter 1. And that's when Jesus goes out there and, and, and uh, Peter is, is fishing and he tells them, he says, uh, you know, let down your nets, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and they do. But you have to kind of read between the lines because they followed him for a little while and then they went back to fishing. And in Luke chapter 5, Jesus goes back out and finds them fishing. They're not with him anymore. So he goes back out to find his cowboys and they're out there fishing. And Jesus goes out there in a boat and he goes, y'all caught anything? Peter says, nope, I've been fishing all day. Jesus said, let's go out in the water a little bit deeper and let your nets down. He said, Jesus, with all due respect, brother, we've been fishing all night. We're tired, we're hungry. But if you say to do it, we'll do it. So they paddle or turn their trolling motor on or whatever they had. And they book out there and they drop their nets. And then they had to call in other boats because there were so many fish that it was going to sink the boat. Jesus tells Peter to let down the nets. And Peter grumbles about having already fished all night. And then after, he catches everything. He says, you are the one they spoke about. Jesus says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And that's whenever they start and they go on their three-year journey and they're with him nearly day and night and they're healing people and they're doing all of this and then something just catastrophous. Is that a word? It is now. Catastrophous. Somebody call Mr. Webster. We're going we're gonna to donate that one. We're not even going to copyright it. Something catastrophous happened and Jesus dies. They kill their boss. And Jesus comes back to life three days later. And he goes and he reveals himself to his disciples. He tells Thomas, put your hand right here where the nails went. Put your hand in my side. Blessed, you believed because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe. And then Jesus disappears. But the third time Jesus calls is in John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, and Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Well, I'm going to go out and fish, said Peter. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was him. He called out to them, friends, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, being John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. Now, I don't know what's scarier. Peter's out there fishing in his tidy whities But before he swims to shore to Jesus, he puts his cloak back on, dives in. I can just see, see old Peter swimming out there, swimming to shore. He don't even wait for the boat. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed, out, or climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 to be exact. Why would the Bible put that, 153? Why did John write that? Do you think somebody counted? It doesn't say it, but I bet Jesus said something like, Bring those 153 fish over here just to show them who he was. Just to show off that God was there with them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Can you imagine what we are witnessing right here? Jesus has died. He's come back to life. He already appeared in a room that was locked up. 
you talk about showing off. Jesus don't even knock on the door. He's not like, Peter, Peter, it's me, Jesus. Oh, it's Lord. Come on in, Lord. No, <laughs> Jesus just appears in there. Peace be with you. Oh, <laughs> cool, huh? But now, something even cooler than appearing in a room, or at least to me it is, Jesus fixed his boy's breakfast. Amen. People have this big, you know, thunderbolt, lightning, lightsaber picture of Jesus just waiting to strike us down, or the, the, the deal on the cross. Jesus just wants to make you breakfast. He wants to take care of us. Come and have breakfast with me. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than everyone else? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And then he said it again two more times. Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, I do. He said, then feed my sheep. And then a third time he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Then feed my sheep. And then he talked to him a little bit more. And then for the third time, Jesus looked at Peter and his disciples, and he said, follow me. Even after they had, you know, he had called them, they went for a little while, and then they went back to fishing. How many times have we done that? We get on fire for God, and we're like, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then we're like, hey, this is hard. I'm just going to go back to living the way I used to live. And then something happens and Jesus comes back to us and we experience Him all over again and He says, follow me. And maybe we follow Him for about three years and then we don't see Him anymore. We don't feel Him like we used to. We can't see Him in our lives. This is too hard. That was fun while it lasted. Let's just go back to doing what we used to do. This third thing that we're talking about is Jesus wants to show off God's faithfulness. He will never give up on any of you. No matter how many times you've decided to follow Him, and we've all gone back and did other things. Jesus wants you to follow him. He'll never give up calling you. Even after, witness, even after witnessing Jesus show off by turning water to wine in Cana, even after witnessing Jesus uh, walk on water, even after witnessing Jesus show off by feeding the 5,000, by bringing Lazarus back from the dead, healing the sick, making the blind see, making the deaf hear, and making the lame walk, even after coming back from the dead, Jesus has to call his disciples back one more time. And what does he ask them to do? Follow me. Let Jesus show you God's faithfulness in wanting to be with you. Sit down and have breakfast with him. Let Jesus show off God's faithfulness to you once again. It's not too late for you to come back. And like the disciples, you can change the world. And I know some of you are like, I can't change this world. Remember that meager stuff? Jesus fed thousands with just a little bit of what a, what a boy had. What could he do? with what you have. How do we change the world? We show off God's glory in our own lives. In John chapter 14, 12 through 14, says this. Jesus himself is speaking and he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus right there said, you can do greater things than I ever did, with the exception of going to the cross and dying for everybody's sins. You have that power. And he continues, and he said, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. What would Jesus do? He would show off God's awesomeness, God's coolness, so that others may be saved. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. And I think there's an implied deal in there of if you are seeking God and you're wanting to bring glory to God, 
and you are doing what I ask you to do by telling other people about me and by living your lives with abundance, then I will do anything that you ask in my name. Well, today he's asking you, follow me. Start showing off God in your life so you can bring glory to God. It's what Jesus would do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message today. Lord, I just pray right now that that cowboy or cowgirl that's sitting out there, whether they've been here every single time or maybe it's their first time, I pray, God, that you have spoken to them, that they have wandered off, and now it's time to come back. And Lord, if, if those few that are out there that are following you like they're supposed to, Lord, I pray that they, that they bring glory to you, that they bring glory to God by letting you live in their lives. But Lord, there's a few out there that haven't made up their mind to accept you as, your Lord, as their Lord and Savior. They don't have to do any big ritual or anything like that. All they have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. And if you'll allow me, I'll follow you all the way to those eternal green pastures that you have prepared for us. Lord, we just pray all these things in your most heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for riding with us today. Our prayer is that God reached out and touched your heart and your guts. This is Kevin Weatherby again, and I'd like to invite you to attend one of our cowboy services in person. You just saddle up and ride on down to Kiowa, Colorado, and out to the Elbert County Fairgrounds every Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry, you can mosey on by www.savethecowboy.com. We hope to see you real soon. Save the Cowboy is brought to you by Barry Ward at barrywardmusic.com. Tumbleweed Hay, you can reach them at 303-324-8217. If you're considering a new, expanded, or remodeled facility, go to www.westernllc.net to discover the Western difference. 303-407-3995 and the fine folks at Look East Realty, 303-644-4444. Hey, we want to hear what you have to say. It doesn't matter if you have a cowboy story, a testimony, or even a prayer request. Y'all just go to savethecowboy.com and click on the Contact Us page and we'll get right back to you. Until next time, this is Pastor Kevin Weatherby. We'll see you again real soon.